What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Laugh. Oh, he did it. No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. I saw you uh, sending some love to Jason Beans way on, on X, talking about he's, his jersey should be in the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. they're going. Next year should be exciting for them. They have a real chance to win the Big 12 next year. What's the over-under on Jalen Daniels' starts? Well, I hope he starts every game next year. Well, I got—I should say starts and finishes, because he'll start. He'll start a couple that he doesn't finish. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm optimistic that he'll be healthy next year. Well, good. It's been a fun little since we last recorded. I mean, the games last night, college football was that was that was fun. That was really fun. Penix really seems like the guy. Both games came down to the very last play, man. Near the goal line. Couldn't ask for much more. Uh, Michael Penix is special. I mean, his ball placement is really, really good. Really, really good, man. I just hope he can stay healthy. I know he's had injury concerns over his career. I'm about to send this quote out on X. Let everybody know we're live as we are every Tuesday at 530 here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. For our video audience. I got the Cotton Bowl hat on, Mark Gunnels. Dallas was a time, man. You you missed out. I love Dallas. It's one of my favorite cities, actually. Was, I meant to catch a Mavs game while I was down there. Honestly, they were they were home during that stretch. They lost. They like blew a twenty point lead to the to the Cavs. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. Okay, I do remember that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, what was the vibes overall? Like, as far as let's just say, well, first of all, where are you staying at down there? I was like Las Colinas area, so like Irving, Irving. Okay. And just being around the city and stuff for the three or four days you were there, what would you say the ratio was between Mizzou and Ohio State fans? It was way more Mizzou fans. It was the Mizzou Super Bowl. That was what everybody knocked. That was what everybody was, was the knock, right? <laughs> that it was it was a big game for Mizzou, and Ohio State was disappointed to be there. But it was it was cool. It was a good environment. Obviously, Dallas is a huge metro and stuff is spread out, but yeah, it's cool. You can feel the energy. Probably not the prettiest brand of football. I know we were texting. That's that's a not the prettiest game, but uh, glad uh, Eli Drinkwitz and the Tigers could get it done. And then I drove back Saturday. Was at Arrowhead on New Year's Eve with Taylor Swift. Was there in the building with uh, Patrick Mahomes in the offense and uh, brought it in twenty twenty four the right way, my man. Before we get into the Chiefs, one more question I have for you about Mizzou. 
I just want to get the pulse. You know, you're the face of Mizzou. So if oh, I get it, for, if I get it from you, then that's getting it from like the whole fan base. So good. is the expectation next year's playoffs or bust with it going to 12 teams for Mizzou? It's playoff expectations. Okay. It's, that's it's fair. Playoff expectations. If they had the format this year, they'd be in. So I, I think you just kind of tread water, right? T- 10, 11 wins, and it might be a little bit easier now with the expanded field. But we'll be monitoring that as, as Jayhawk Mark Gunnels is out in L.A. Missouri Tigers Aaron Ladd is here in KC. Steven Serta's behind the board. Chiefs coast to coast. Episode 71, we're recapping a Missouri Tiger win and a Kansas City Chief win. You can't have you don't have those all the time in January, Mark. Like you can you gotta enjoy those while they're here. We're having some fun. We'll talk the Chiefs win over the Bengals, a chippy Bengals squad. They're not gonna go out without a fight, literally or figuratively, it seems like. <laughs> Recap that game, head down to Vegas briefly for Mark Gunnels' sake. And then we'll preview the AFC playoffs and wildcard weekend, which Patrick Mahomes will be a part of this year in the NFL playoffs. Can't have Chiefs coast to coast without you all, the fam, the listeners, the audience. We got Cole watching on YouTube, Anthony on Facebook, everybody on X has tapped in with us. Love having y'all part of the show. No voicemails this week, but you can always tap in with the show 816-514-1267 is our voicemail line we talked bowl season we reviewed called for reviews let's, let's get to the chiefs recap Mahomes avoids. he's a magician chiefs recap here sir goes being petty already chiefs end the Bengals season <laughs> With a 25-17 win in week 17 at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, the the first note that I have here is, is an easy one. It was a huge day, career day, for Harrison Butker. They don't win this game without kicker Harrison Butker, who we were talking about on previous pods. It's like, are we worried? Are we nervous? He started to miss. It was a perfect season for 15 weeks, and, and now he's looking shaky. Well, he shut that up with this one. Six field goals uh, in this win over the Bengals. I got to talk to him on the field, so let's hear from him first. Aaron Ladd and Harrison Butker on the field, and then we'll hear from Mark Gunnels. Eight straight division titles for this group. You've been a part of a lot of them. How does it feel, this one? How does this one compare versus the other ones, especially considering some of the rough stretches y'all have been through over the last few? So my first year was 2017. We probably faced the most adversity 2017 and this year. You know, all the other years, it was kind of like you knew we were just going to win the division, but it's a blessing. So seven for me, eight, eight in a row for Coach Reed, and uh, it's amazing. You know, you can't take these uh, these, these wins for granted. The, the game is just so competitive, you know, and it's every win is, uh, you know, a, a hard-fought win. So very thankful. Yes, eight straight AFC West titles. If I bury the lead here on that one, we'll talk more about the streak and the division crown a little bit later in this recap. But let's start with what something Harrison Bucker said there, Mark Gunnels. These games are extremely competitive. And this was a game where on paper, you know, before the season it looked like this is going to be a heavyweight fight. Coming into it, it's like the Bengals with their backup quarterback. We don't know if Jamar Chase is going to go. We don't know if LeJerry Snee is going to go. Just how competitive this game was and what it meant that the Chiefs were able to right the ship and take the, take the win of this one. Yeah, and I think it's ironic that the two years that he named being the most 
adversity happened to be the two years where Matt Nagy was part of the coaching staff. Is that is that a just a coincidence? You ain't right, man. You, 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 you ain't knew where I was going with that. You, you ain't right. I knew as soon as you started, I knew where you were going. I mean, what a coincidence. I mean, you know, I guess those things just happen. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't like seeing Bucker have to kick six field goals. Obviously, you want to convert some of those into touchdowns. But at the same time, the way this Chiefs defense is playing, the way these games have been going, points are going to be at a premium in these playoff games. I mean, they're going to be three point six point type of game so it's good to have him with his confidence there i know he missed one against the patriots and we're like oh is this going to be a bad sign and you know maybe is it going downhill now so he's corrected that and i i think you'll continue to see that this week because you're playing indoors and so far wow we'll get into that but about the rest and the guys but he's going to kick obviously so i think you can build on that as well heading to the playoffs so it is a good sign. I mean, he made a 54-yarder. That was as long against Cincinnati this past Sunday. Made all his extra points. I don't think he's missed extra point all year, actually. I think he only missed that one field goal against New England. If I'm not missed, against the, missed against the Raiders last week. Oh, the Raiders. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like two weeks in a row. We're like, oh, no. What's going on? But, yeah, it's good to see it, man. And how about, you know, that time of year when you see Aaron Ladd on the field after a game bundled up in his best attire. So it's, it's getting that time where it's time to go viral again. So I, I love this time of year for Aaron Ladd. You're sick. <laughs> you really are sick. D-Mac chimes in, says Buckerhead. Buckerhead. Uh, oh, oh, YouTube after uh, Mike Hilton and the boys had their season ended. Uh, Joe Burrow was at the game. He seemed a little subdued. And, and, you know, he grew up a Chiefs fan, so I'm sure he probably feels a little something walking into Arrowhead, no matter what it is. But the fact that he couldn't contribute, I thought it was really interesting, some of the the video we saw from Kelsey and Chris Jones and stuff right on the field after the game, going up to Burrow saying, hey, you know, the game misses you, this rivalry misses you. And I still felt like there was a little chippy. I mean, obviously there was still a little chippy. This luxurious need and jamar chase going back and forth and you can tell that when these two teams match up no matter what what the circumstances are if, if joe burrow's out there or not over it's jake browning if uh in the going future i think if chris jones and some of those guys are out there no matter what these two teams they've seen each other a lot over the last few years they've been jawing eye and eye neck and neck for the afc it was fun to get a little spicy again and uh we saw it between cornerback one and wide receiver one for these opposing two teams. I'll give you some numbers on LeJarius Sneed, and then we'll hear from LeJarius Sneed as we recap this game, Mark Gunnels. This is from Next Gen Stats on X. LeJarius Sneed aligned across from Jamar Chase on 21 of 34 of his routes, 61.8%, allowing two catches for 27 yards on three targets. Chase gained fewer receiving yards than expected for the first time in his five career games against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is what LeJarrius needed to say in the locker room about his matchup with Jamar Chase. Any words you have for him on the field or? Oh, yeah, we had, we had, yeah, we had some words. You know, I went up to him after the game, told him a good game. But, you know, check the stats. Maybe that's what this, this, this defense needs to, like, understand, like, yo, it's our team. You know, Pat gets the headlines. Kelsey gets the headlines. But 
if we're going to win a Super Bowl this year, it's going to be on us being able to be chippy, play, play dirty, play grimy, understand that the other team is going to talk and just let our game do the talking. I thought that's what uh, Sneed did on Sunday. Yeah, once again, Legereus Sneed locks down number one wide receiver. Color me shocked, Aaron. He's been doing this all season long. He deserves to be an all-pro this year. And he's lining himself up for a very, very big payday. And Brent Veach and company are going to have a big decision to make here in the next couple of months. But we'll, we'll talk about that later down the line, obviously. But at the end of the day, man, I, I think you have probably the best cornerback duo. I know we haven't talked about McDuffie a lot lately, but I think that's kind of a good thing, right? I think corner is one of those positions kind of like offensive line in a sense where if you don't hear their name too much, they're probably doing a really good job because they're not being thrown the ball. They're not throwing it to their area that much. And I think that's what you're seeing with McDuffie as he's locking down number twos from opposing teams as well. So, yeah, man, this defense, like you said, I do think, though, the offense, we know the defense is going to do. I think we're at the point now. We know they're going to they're gonna hold you to probably under 24, 21 points in that range. Can the offense do enough to to carry their own weight? You know, this game they scored 25, six field goals. Probably could have scored a lot more if you were more efficient. Yeah, you think? But <laughs> but I did I do think there were things that we saw that you could hang your hat on uh moving forward. But back to the defense, Chris Jones got in there a little bit as well. I, and it's gonna be funny this week because a lot of guys have a lot of potential of incentives, but they're probably not going to play. So <laughs> we'll get into that, though. But I was looking it up. I was like, wow, it's crazy how close some of these guys are for, like, these milestone type of numbers this week. Sir, to pull that, if you can, how close some of those guys are to the incentives, I didn't uh, I didn't. I think Chris Jones, Chris Jones stood out to me, though. I think he needs, like, a half a sack or something to – I saw it on X, but I didn't, I didn't like it or save it, but it was something like that. He's like close to getting some type of incentive for sacks. I know Kelsey is close to a thousand as well. To your point about yeah. the Chiefs defense and like we know they're going to hold teams to like this 21 ish window. Like I thought the point of the game that was kind of eye opening was that bat, like that last couple sequences for Cincinnati, like especially the the four sack sequence for, for KC, like just think about what this defense could do. If KC does get up double digits, if Patrick Mahomes and the offense find a way to come out the gate and lead 14, nothing instead of being the team that trails 17, three, like they were in this instance, this is from Vahe Gregorian who does great work for Kansas city star against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was the fifth time in the last six games that KC trailed by double digits in the first half alone, Mark. Like the, I saw the version of the KC's defense at the end of the game where they can just pin their head back, knowing that the other team has to throw the ball is trying to get the ball down the field. The clock is running out. I just wonder what it would be like if KC's defense could play like that for a longer period of time. It just seems like now their their performance is a lot of time dedicated predicated on like how well the offense is treading water like is the offense down double digits do they need a score are they trying to stretch the game out there was a lot of talk on 610 today of course i joined carrington harrison on the drive every tuesday at 2 30 and he talked about they just need to run the ball and play defense now like this is marty ball chiefs all over again and it's like yes that was successful for isaiah pacheco in this one but i don't know if he's built like that long term 
Mark, to be able to sustain that and drive this team to the Lombardi Trophy through that recipe. Yeah, and if you got to say Marty Ball when Mahomes is your quarterback, that's that's not good. That's that's really bad. You you do that if your quarterback is like a Baker Mayfield or a Ryan mm. Tannehill. You shouldn't have the resort to that. But at the same time, there does need to be a good balance. And I think they did a good job this week. You know, Pacheco had 18 carries. He averaged almost like 70 yards a carry. Career so day for him on the, on yeah, the ground, yeah. Yeah, obviously he had a couple of big ones that boost up the average there. But, yeah, man, I, I think it is some of that. You know, you're not going to go full-fledged Marty Ball, though, when you have Mahomes at quarterback. But there is a fine line. And there was a report that came out hours before kickoff uh, saying that the Chiefs are going to minimize the play. What, what did you and- think about? What did you think about that? Let, let's be honest here. Let, First of all, hey, I, I didn't put that down on the shot sheet, but like, yeah, go ahead. I always find it funny when these like 6 a.m. reports come out on game day. Like, who's leaking this stuff? First of all, that's my first question. <laughs> like, where is this coming from? And why does it always happen the day of a game? Because remember last year against the Niners that morning when they was like, Pacheco's going to be the starter running back now. Like, that was like the official end of CH. Remember that? It happened like six hours before the kickoff. Like, it's always fascinating to me when that stuff happens. Like, is there a chatty patty in the locker room that's just texting these guys on the low? Like, hey, man, Andy Reid told us, man, we're going to we're gonna dumb this playbook down, man. And then, all right, let's get it out there. So, but nah, the, back to the general point, though. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense because how often do we hear about how hard it is to learn Andy Reid's playbook and all of that, right? But the funny part is, though, and the thing that I still can't wrap my head around, is it really a playbook issue? Because these are the same guys from last year. And the one guy that's not here from last year is their best receiver. <laughs> it's Rasheed Rice. So that's the funny thing to me about this whole dynamic. I mean, obviously, I know it's not the exact same playbook. They add some wrinkles in every single year. Andy Reid, they say they're at it every single week or every day, every hour. So it's an ongoing thing, but I think at the end of the day is the ultimate goal is to put guys in the best position to be successful. While, yes, you're this mastermind guy, you have all these crazy ideas, if it's not grasping with these players, then, yeah, dumb it down. Keep it simple. Like, okay, we have these designated plays for you when you're it's in. Week 17. Like that. Week 17, I Mark. I get that, it. That's like, where I got to push better back late, on this. My better God, late man. than never, right? Like, we, you would have thought that this is something that they would have realized in the bye week. Like, I think for the last month and a half, we've been talking about this team needs to pare down their offensive rotation. Too many guys, too many routes, not enough guys who are producing. Like, we've been talking for the last month of this podcast about Rice, Kelsey, and Pacheco being your three guys, and the majority of the offense and the production needs to come through them. Like, that report coming out the morning of a week 17 game was almost tongue in cheek. It was like, oh, the national media is just now realizing that the Kansas City Chiefs only have three offensive weapons. Like, thank you for choosing turning into Chiefs football for the first time in like three months. Like, I just thought that that was so that was just so silly. Like, I don't think the Chiefs can really disguise who they are either. It's like you can try and dumb down or pare down or trim or whatever adjective you want to give to what this team is having to go through offensively over the last few weeks. Like teams at this point in time know who you are and how to stop it. 
And now you're going to start running into the teams who are better than you from a talent perspective. So like, it's not, it's not just being able to like disguise the concepts. Like you got to execute. And in this last game on tape against the Bengals, they didn't execute in the key areas. They executed within the twenties, which is something they've been doing all year, which is why their yards per game numbers are where they are. But the reason why their points per game numbers are where they are and their scoring is down from last year to this year is because they're not executing in those money areas. That's not something that you can disguise or change by trimming up the playbook. The plays are the plays. And shout out to our guy, Steven Serta, in the private chat. Chris Jones needs half a sack and he'll get an extra $1.25 million. He's at 9.5 sacks in the year. That seems like a good reason to play on on Sunday in L.A. Let's put a good bow on the Cincinnati game with this guy. This guy who uh, we haven't had a topic on him. We've talked about the wide receiver room, but I don't know if we specifically said Marquez Valdez Scantling on on this podcast in a minute. Yeah, another crucial drop. I I don't know. They ended up winning. Yes, that looked like a play that he could have scored on. But MVS goes one catch on three targets for three yards in the 25 to 17 win over Cincinnati. And I think what rubbed people most like prickly, what made people most anxious and mad and angry, because now we're seeing a full turn. Like people have been like, I don't know if people were like maybe with him, but like they weren't like full out. Like now there's nobody, there's nobody zagging. Everybody is zigging on MVS. They want him cut, they want him out. And I think part of it is because he gave Mahomes like this awkward like hand gesture after this drop that to a lot of people made it seem like he was showing up Mahomes and telling him where to put the ball. And because the ball was behind him, he was not able to catch it and make a play on the ball. This is a guy who let's add a little more context before we we jump into this. He has had a few run-ins with media in the locker room recently. He hasn't been the easiest guy to kind of warm up to through some of these struggles. A lot of times, players, I mean, players go through struggles at all levels of professional sports. Marquez Valdez Scantling is not is not alone in that or unique to that. Like fans have been brutal to players going through slumps throughout the history of time and will continue to. But it feels like ever since that Eagles game and that Eagles drop, Mark Gunnels. The arrow has continued to go down and down game after game for MVS. And this one right here added another just what feels like rock bottom to the relationship that he has with Mahomes. Yeah, that was not a good look at all. And actually, the most famous Chiefs fan in the media, Nick Wright, did you see his tweet about it? <laughs> Read it for us. His post on X. Yeah, well, his post on X, yes. <laughs> Nick Wright said, MVS trying to show Mahomes up after that drop because the throw was slightly behind him is more infuriating than 10 drops combined. Patrick has been covering for their wide receivers all year, including MVS drop against Philly. That's benchable for MVS, in my opinion. Do you agree? Do you I think do. MVS should be benched? Do you think it's time to just go ahead and give up on the Marquez Valdez Scantling? Uh, the numbers and Todd Palmer does a lot of great work for Forty One. Did did the digging? I think they could save two million dollars if they just if they part ways this offseason. Do you think they should just go ahead and do that now ahead of the playoff run, or is he somebody you have to grin and bear it with until the offseason hits? I'm not saying fully bench him like you don't play at all. But his snaps need to come down tremendously. 
in this game against the Bengals, he was still second amongst all the receivers and snaps with 38. Rice only had four more at 42. Richie James, a guy that we kind of been clamoring to see a little more of, only had 12 snaps. Justin Watson had 24, and then Ross had seven. And McCole Hartman only had five. I didn't know he even played at all. <laughs> I even know he even played. I was actually kind of surprised he didn't get a little more run than that. Maybe this week, since maybe guys are going to be resting, you see a lot more McCole Hartman. But 38 snaps for MVS at this point, it's inexcusable. It really is. I quickly rushed to the Todd Palmer post on X. For those wondering, the Chiefs can save $12 million against the cap with $2 million in dead money if they cut MVS rather than bring him back for the final year of his contract in Kansas City. As the wide receiver room turns, features MVS this week. I'm sure it'll feature someone else next week. I'm kind of like you on McCole Hardman. I don't understand why not throw him in the mix a little bit more unless, like maybe we've said in the past, he already occupies a role that someone else is fitting currently. They have enough gadget guys in, or McColl is not doing something that someone else can't already do on the roster. It, it feels like, and it was a hat and t-shirt game. So we saw the, the, the unit celebrate and that picture of the chiefs wide receiver unit. It, it's just like, it, it's, it's going to be captured in time forever. Cause I wonder it's like four months later, how different this room will look. And this is a team that could still potentially play for a Lombardi trophy. I'm not ruling them out of that. I, I don't think it happens, but it's just wild to think that they could still win Sunday, be 11 and six, be the three seed and potentially make a run, Mark. Yeah. And I hate when those moments happen for Rasheed Rice because he gets lumped into it with everybody else when he shouldn't be lumped into like those moments. <laughs> but he's obviously part of the room. So. It's just funny because he obviously is like the clear standout there. And another point on him, I, I put this in our group chat. And I'm not sure if you guys knew this before I sent it. Did you know that he leads the entire league in yak yards after catch? Number two is Tyreek Hill, ironically. <laughs> I did know that. that. That was news to me. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, man. And. You know, and that's one thing I've always been impressed with him by. And I didn't even know that stat, really. But I just, with the eye test, like, he's a guy, when he gets the ball, he has no wasted motion. You know, like, a lot of guys start dancing and stuff and doing all that stuff. He goes from literally zero to 100. Like, he's not wasting any time dancing at all, man. I thought on that deep ball, he was actually going to get in the end zone on that one. I guess he got a little winded at the end there. And I, did you see Mahomes? He said, we're going to work on his high step, get them, get them knees up. <laughs> I did see that 60 yard, 67 yard reception was the longest play from scrimmage for the Kansas City Chiefs this year. It was the first deep pass for Rasheed Rice in his young career. That's over 20 air yards. Mahomes had 108 yards on deep passes in the win over Cincinnati. His first game over 100 since Tyree Kill left the team. All that information from Chiefs PR and Next Gen Stats on. X uh, Chiefs won the AFC West for an eighth straight year before Andy Reid took over. They were dead last in AFC West titles, and now they have preceded all the other teams and have 16 AFC West titles. No other team in the division has more than 15. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, like you always say, don't take it for granted. You know, uh, these AFC West titles have become so routine now you kind of think like oh it's just it's whatever 
we're trying to get the Lombardi, but it's a step one, man. And you hear all these guys always say about in the offseason how they rank their their goals and expectations, and they always mention winning the division is like the first step, right? And then if you can get the one seed, you do that, and obviously Super Bowl and everything else that comes with that. So, yeah, man, it's very, very special. This is the second longest streak in NFL history for winning your division, only behind the Patriots, obviously, with Tom Brady. I believe they were at 11. 11, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, you got a chance to potentially make history and catch them next three years, next three or four years. So, And I don't think the A's, especially next year, the landscape doesn't look that good, honestly, because who's going to be the Broncos quarterback next year? That that has been an interesting conversation to follow. That's something else that's popped off since we last recorded. Yeah, and they won too many games to get one of those top quarterbacks, so I'm not sure what they're going to do for next season. The Raiders, are you going to keep Antonio Pierce? Are you going to ride with O'Connell as their quarterback of the future? Jimmy G, is he going to – I don't know. What's going on there? And then with the Chargers, who's going to be their head coach? So, like, there's so many big questions around (laughs) all these teams. So I, I really don't think you're going to see legit competition as far as w- challenging the Chiefs to win the division probably until two years from now. I think next year it just te- seems to be too soon for these other teams because they got too many holes, too many questions to answer. This is one of those takes that Mark Gunnels couldn't wait. Like, <laughs> this is a safe take. If he was giving out future bets right now, he would just be like, you know what? And I'm taking the Chiefs to win the division next year as well. Well, the odds, I I wouldn't get no good odds, though. The Chiefs are going to be the heavy favorite. (laughs) What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, we talked to She Rice. We talked to AFC West title. Let's get into our Chiefs preview. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Chiefs got the late game in week 18. Sunday, 325 from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. It's Inglewood, right? In Inglewood, down the street. I can see it right now. I got in trouble. I used to get in trouble because I thought I was in L.A. I, I covered a game in the game in SoFi. I was like, oh, I'm from Los Angeles. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, it's, it's, it's actually Inglewood. Yeah, and they take they take pride in their city, man. <laughs> um, simple question, Mark Gunnels. Are you playing the starters in this one? And and then what's your approach? Give me, give me how you would do it. Do you do you tell them beforehand, hey, we're only going for the incentives, or maybe you treat it like a preseason game and say, Hey, offense, I gotta see a good, I gotta see a drive here. Like y'all gotta go down there and score. And then I can feel comfortable taking folks out because this is not specifically an offense that's been clicking on all cylinders long enough where you can say, ah, we can take a week off. We can take a couple of weeks off. Like, where are you feeling on that scale? I wouldn't mind a driver, too. 
I wouldn't mind a driver too, but I, I'm also fine with just sitting them the whole entire game. I, I just would hate some freak thing to happen, and now you're missing a key guy for a playoff game. And even at the end of the day, let's say you do have a good driver too against the Chargers team. This Chargers defense is awful. Like, so I mean, is it just more of a morale confidence thing? Because you're not you're not really gonna get tested in this game. This is one of the worst defenses in the league. They've melded in weeks ago. They don't even have a real head coach. Um, yeah, it, it's really bad, man. Um, but I would ask key players, talking about Kelsey and Chris Jones, how much do these things mean to you? Because <laughs> a million and a half reasons. What you mean? Well, how much they mean to me? Well, for Kelsey, it's more of a a, a streak thing. Because he's 16 yards away from having a thousand yards again. You know, he has that, that streak going on for the longest active streak for tight end consecutive seasons with a thousand yards. And he only needs 16. So theoretically, you could draw something up in the first drive to get him a 15, 16 yard catch and call it a day. And why then Chris Jones. In general? You said what? If you can just do that anytime you want to. I can't. Why, why are you starting week 18 to just get your boy 16 yards? <laughs> And then, like I said earlier about Chris Jones, he's a half a sack away from getting an extra $1.25 million. So how much does it mean to you, man? I mean, Aaron, you said he has a lot of reasons for it to mean a lot to him. But I got pushback on that, Aaron, because you know what? He could have had it. He set out week one. That was his choice. He, he was hurt. He was hurt, Mark. Chris Jones was not hurt week one. Oh, you talk about Chris Jones. I he could have had that half a sack in that game. Hey, that was his choice. You missed the game. Yeah, see, I think part of Chris Jones rejoining the team and signing that amended deal is everybody coming to the, under, the understanding that, like, bygones be bygones. You try and move on from things that have happened in the past. And Chris Jones not the only guy, in addition to Travis Kelsey, not the only people who are fighting for milestones. Rasheed Rice, 62 receiving yards shy of a thousand yard season in his rookie year. And then Isaiah Pacheco, 65 yards shy of a thousand yard rushing season. I don't know how much that would be all purpose. I mean, these are, they got to sit, man. I, yes. We're, we're talking about the guys. We're talking about the offense. We're talking about when you're pairing it down, you're pairing down to these four or five guys. I, I push back and saying, because this was even discourse in the press box as like the final minutes were ticking away against the Bengals, this is not an offense where you can just rest on your laurels. It's just not, it's just not that way anymore. Uh, and I talked about this at the college level with Mizzou. Like Mizzou and the Cotton Bowl looked like a team that had not played football in 34 days. They were humming against Arkansas, and they come out against Ohio State and can't line up right and can't block a guy, can't stop a nosebleed. Yes, it's different at the college at, uh, at the professional level, but I still think with how choppy this offense has been this year, the potential of we don't know who we're going to face in the wild card round because let's say you sit your guys for three quarters, you're getting three weeks off and go and see two weeks off and going to see Buffalo. You're going to see Miami. Like I would feel better. And obviously these are not my decisions. Someone who's a lot more famous and a lot more well-paid will make these decisions and rest on it and, and, and go in with it. But like, for me, I need to see I need to see the offense be productive against an, a defense that you have no respect for whatsoever. So, how many drives would you give them? The Chiefs have not scored consecutive touchdown drives since when? Maybe we could put Serta on that. But if they were to come out and do that, would you not feel good? I mean, of course, I would feel good. But I'm just 
it's just that risk, bro. And then you're playing on that turf as well in SoFi Stadium. You got you have to consider that as well. So that's tough, man. That's tough. And, and I can make the argument that, yeah, sure, you want to see them get into a rhythm and things like that, a little feel-good moment. But maybe they just need a week off to kind of reset. We're we're talking about <laughs> seriously though, because we were talking about how this second half of the schedule, they had the disadvantage every week. They're playing teams that had shorter, that had longer rest periods than the Chiefs did. And then the Chiefs have played more football than any team over the last years, right? Like, and these are Since still 2018. Of, and Mitch Holtis was very, uh, I'm going to try and pull up his post now. He was very vocal about the Chiefs' rest disadvantage down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's a real thing. And not to mention, there's a good possibility that you could be playing either Miami or Buffalo in the first round. And guess what, Aaron? They play each other Sunday night for the AFC East crown. So imagine if you have that week off and you got one of these two teams that just played a grueling, hard-fought game Sunday night. You have a major advantage, you would think, heading into that wild-card weekend matchup. D-Max said, consecutive touchdown drives. God bless. <laughs> it's crazy how it's crazy how far the mighty have fallen. This is from Mitch Holtis on X. Uh, I was gonna wait until after the year, but no team should have to face a schedule like the Chiefs had in 2023, where five consecutive opponents in December had extra days to rest and prep from 10 days to 14 days to 11 days. I get that networks want their slot to have the best teams, but this has to be discussed going forward. Hasn't happened to a team in 35 years. Yes, I think it plays a factor. Yes, I think it's a reason why maybe these guys should get a half off or a heck. And, and this is what you say if you're a coach. This is what you say if you're in a Disney movie, coach, right? Like, y'all decide how, how long y'all want to play, right? If y'all want to get out of here, go score a touchdown on the first two drives. Go, go, earn, go earn it. But until I see it, y'all out there. Y'all professional football players. Y'all want these incentives. Y'all want these milestones. Go play. This is a division opponent. If you think the Chargers have mailed it in to that extent, I don't know about you, Mark. I think some of these guys want to make sure that they can get tape for themselves uh, if they end up on other rosters. Oh, yeah, of course. Or if they end up with different coaching staffs. Like, they own scholarship, too. Don't forget about well, that. Yeah, but when I say mail it in, I'm talking about the guys that aren't playing. Like, Keenan Allen shut it down for the year. Obviously, we know Justin Herbert got hurt. But I think – yeah, it's just is, is Khalil Mack even playing? I think are both. I think they're out too, right? I could be wrong, but yeah, man, I just I don't know, man. That they're they're just so depleted. Uh, they have no direction right now. But like you said, there's obviously going to be guys out there that do play that do want to put some good film out there and tape them for their next potential team. So I understand that hundred percent. But I'm just Serta is working, bro. Serta I, is absolutely working today. What the last say? time the Chiefs had consecutive touchdown yeah. drives, November 26th against the Raiders. That was not that long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they got down 14 nothing. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah, I remember that. That was like headed into halftime. Justin Watson had a little spark. That was fun. That, that yeah. was the, the offense played well in that game, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Isaiah Pacheco played an impact. Let's look ahead to the playoffs, Mark, if we could quickly, because we know the Chiefs will be playing on wild card weekend. Yes, sir. The question on this is kind of give me your teams that you would want to see and then give me the teams that, you know, like Michigan when Alabama popped up. You're like, oh, 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 we're playing them. 
Oh, yay. Excited for the challenge. Yeah, like rank, rank the teams that you want to see and the teams you don't want to see. Okay. So you're just talking about just the first game, right? Wild card weekend. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. That first, right, that first step game. Time. Okay. So out of the realistic possibilities, I think this is pretty obvious. It's probably the consensus amongst Chiefs Kingdom. The team that you would probably least want to see is Buffalo. Why? Josh Allen. Uh, that defense is playing really, really good right now. I know Josh Allen's been kind of struggling the last couple of weeks, but they actually have found a running game without Josh Allen being involved. You know, James Cook has been playing really good ball, man. And then you still, like I said, that defense is playing with their, their head on fire right now. I, and they have experience coming to Arrowhead. That's another thing. I know they haven't beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead in the playoffs, but they've, they've beat them there in a regular season. It feels like time and time again, they play. It's like every time we play Buffalo, it's in Arrowhead. There's only been one time, I think, between Allen and Mahomes where the game was in Buffalo, and that was the COVID year when there was no fans in the stands. So they, they, they've been constant travelers to Kansas City. They're very comfortable. So I think that's the easy choice that the game, the team that you would probably want to avoid if you could. Now to my ideal scenario, Aaron. Here's the fun part. You ready? Let's hear it. Okay. So there's a real scenario that Buffalo can miss the playoffs. Did you know that? <laughs> now you're just daydreaming. It's not that far-fetched, though. You love doing this. Do you, you want to hear it? Okay. Sure. So what here's you got? what has to happen. Obviously, they have to lose to Miami this week. And then Pittsburgh has to beat Baltimore. But Baltimore is going to be resting their starters. Because they already clinched the one seed. I still don't look, think Pittsburgh beats Baltimore, even though Baltimore. You don't think they beat? You don't think they beat Baltimore's backups? <laughs> I think I think Pittsburgh wins that game. I think they beat Tyler Huntley and them. I really do. Tyler Huntley and them. And then it doesn't matter what happens in the Houston and Indy game because the winner of that game is in the playoffs regardless. So the winner of that game is in between Houston and Indy. Pittsburgh has to beat Baltimore. Miami has to be Buffalo, and Buffalo misses the playoffs. And if that happens, the Chiefs would play the winner of, I believe, the Houston and Indy game in the first round. That would be their first-round matchup. You want them to play the worst possible competition as early as possible. Why Why wouldn't I want the easiest path? <laughs> I've spoken why? like a true KU fan. You want the easiest path possible, the path of least <laughs> resistance. Hey man, <laughs> sign me up for the Colts coming to Arrowhead wildcard weekend. That is my dream scenario. So there you go. But I also wouldn't mind what I now. Here's what I think is going to happen. So I gave you what I don't want to happen, what I would love to happen. But here's what I actually believe is going to happen, Aaron. Here we go. <laughs> I think we're going to have Tyreek Hill return to Arrowhead wildcard weekend. We deserve that, Mark Gunnels. We deserve that. We were robbed of that game this year. Yep. Because, because the Hunts or whoever, I won't say the Hunts, please don't ban <laughs> me. Because, <laughs> because somebody decided that they didn't want that game to be played at Arrowhead. It got shipped off to Frankfurt. But And also, if you're getting Miami now, you can't act like this is a, a full-strength Miami team, especially off the back of what happened last, last week. It's not. And th that's why I think Buffalo is going to beat them this week, which means Buffalo will be the two seed because they'll win the AFC East and they have the tiebreaker over Kansas City, which is why they would jump them for the two seed. And then Miami will be the sixth seed. It just feels like destiny, man. 
It truly does. Because if you look at the playoff picture right now, it's actually very funny. We may have a couple of return games, like not just Tyreek. Right now, Matthew Stafford would be going to Detroit wildcard weekend. Fun. And you have a real possibility of Joe Flacco going to Baltimore for the divisional round if they win their first game, which they I think they will if they play Jacksonville, which is what it will be right now. And the lowest seed would play Baltimore. And unless a six or a seven seed wins, Cleveland will be going to Baltimore for the divisional round. So, And then you got Tyreek potentially coming to Arrowhead next weekend. A lot left to be decided. Let's go to Vegas. Place your bets. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by Elise Church. Let's go to Vegas with Mark. <laughs> What's my recap, man? You went one and one last week. One of your bets got voided out, which I think it should still be a loss. I don't I don't I don't like the void. I think that should just be a oh, L. What? Cause he didn't play? <laughs> I think it should be a L. <laughs> That's crazy. You went one and one. Your three bets were Bengals, you took the points. It was seven. Kansas City ended up winning that Of easily. course, Kansas City covers the one week I'd pick them <laughs> not to cover. It's crazy. The hit was on the under on the total points. You had 44 and a half. 15 to, or excuse me, 17 to 25 was the final. Yeah, yeah. And then you voided out CEH anytime touchdown. He was inactive due to an illness, something we will be monitoring going into week 18 against the LA Chargers. Do you have three plays this week? You want to just finish it out this week? Are you still doing playoffs? What's what's the update? I actually don't have three plays this week because they only have player player props available because they don't know who's going to play. So That makes sense. That makes There's no sense. player props on the map. So the only play I have for you is this is how you know nobody's going to play. You know the Chargers are three-point favorites? Right now, the Chargers are three-point favorites? They're three-point favorites. What's your play on that? I got the Chiefs plus three. <laughs> I'm just – this is just a fun just why not. Like, if, if I'm getting points, I don't care. I think the Chiefs backups are probably better than the Chargers backups. Like, that's just a typical – we don't know what to do. Chargers are at home, so let's give them three points. Even though it's gonna be probably more Chiefs fans than so far than Chargers fans at that game, even though it's gonna be backups playing. Um, so yeah, why not take the Chiefs plus the points? That's all I got. Chiefs plus three. This is where it really hurts that we're no longer a Wednesday pod because I think we'll we'll know tomorrow yeah. at the podium who the Chiefs starter is. If Patrick Mahomes goes to the podium, I think we know that he plays a little bit. I obviously don't think he starts and finishes the game, but I think even if he plays a little bit, we see some movement on this line and we see. Some action maybe slide back towards the middle, but getting points with KC in LA, I, even though it, we're still unsure, I, I like this play. Yeah, it feels like the the sharp play right here. Let's scroll back through the chat before we get out of here. Chiefs Coast to Coast episode seventy one. There was a question about Darian Kennard. I feel like I could answer. Devin on X says, "Anyone give me an update on Darian Kennard? Possible plans for him in the future?" I'm not sure. I, I I think he's somebody that KCC is a swing guy who could play a couple different positions along that line. But there will be opportunities potentially that like it's not just a wide receiver room that needs to be rebuilt this offseason. Like the offensive line has some questions as well. This is not as steady as a group as it's been to even start the year this year as maybe what we thought. Maybe he factors into that. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, I, I don't think that Kansas City invested much in him. I think it's like a fifth round pick anyway. 
Shout out to the Kingdom's Queens podcast. They've been very active in the chat. They said they would not be impressed against the Chargers if the Chiefs offense got going against the Chargers, question mark. No, I wouldn't feel good. I would feel something. This team has only gotten going against bad teams already. <laughs> so, I mean, y'all would be telling me this Bears win is so impressive all year. It's the same thing. Oh, well, don't do that then, because every time I bring it up, you'd be like, oh, it's just Chicago. So why would you feel good about this now? Uh, Gary says, should Andy allow Yeah, and look at him dodging the question. Uh... Aaron, you're good at ducking the smoke, boy. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm just trying to uh, just trying to make it to the postseason. How common is the team to pay the incentives or starters to take the game off? That does not happen, from what I, <laughs> from my knowledge, in the National Football League. If you don't make the incentives, then it it isn't paid out. That's just kind of the price of doing business. And I think that's why Chris Jones slipped up at the podium last week and said, "I want to play." Like. <laughs> he's got a lot of incentives and reasons to play. Devin also wondered when McKinnon is coming back. And I think that his IR activation goes through the wild card round. So the earliest that we could see him back is the divisional round. I think we talked about that on the pod last week. So it'll yeah. be the CEH, LaMichael P. Ryan, Isaiah Pacheco show for the first playoff round for Kansas City, which Mark thinks will be against the Miami Dolphins. Do you agree with me on that? What was the question? Do you think we play Miami first game? You think that's going to happen? That would be the most exciting matchup. I, I would like the. I would like to talk around Buffalo too, just because that was such a fun matchup last time they were in the playoffs. But ugh, those two teams, I think the easier path is Miami. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think we see Kadarius Tony again this year? No. Yeah, I'm 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 50 50 on that one, man. Wait, I think I'm I, leaning, I think I'm leaning no too. What's your thinking behind that? What's your reason behind that? I think it's a soft benching. How does like, he how did how does he get soft benched, but MVS gets to go out every week? The money. <laughs> money. He's he they're not paying Tony anything, they're paying. MVS, he's the highest paid receiver on the room right now. <laughs> and I, sure, I think I, I I agree that I think Tony's banged up. But I don't think as as bad as they're trying to make it seem. I, I I don't think so. I'm not buying it. Yeah, what do you have to gain from Tony being back out there? You've got a guy who can return kicks now in Richie James. You've got somebody who fills his role in the wide receiver room and all the other ancillary guys. Like I don't, I don't really. I think it, I think the Kadarius Tony experiment is over. So you think he's done as a chief? Well, I mean, we got one more game in the regular season, and I think max two more games in the playoffs. <laughs> so I mean, what's the point of throwing him back out there in the playoffs anyway if he hasn't played out the end of the regular season? That's what I'm saying. If he doesn't play this week, then yeah, it's it's over. Because this would be the ideal game. Because you know you're not going to be playing your starters. Just throw him out there for 20-plus snaps and see what happens. Catch some passes from Blaine Gabbert. Mizzou guy, right? <laughs> so how about that, man? Because, like, the real personal thing, real well, you know, it's not personal, but, you know. So ever since I've been out in L.A., obviously the Chiefs play here once every year. 
So I've been going to every single game. But when I saw this one was week 18, my first thought was they may be resting their starters. They may have the one seed locked up or something like that. I didn't think it was going to be the three seed is locked up. And now, and I pay my tickets in advance. So now I'm going to have to watch Blaine Gabbard versus Easton Stick. It's going to be rocking. If Mark Guttel's <laughs> in the house, I expect some exclusive content from that contest, sir. Are you coming? No, for that for, for that game. I mean, but you were saying last week 41 got, got the budget. They might as well just. I said if there was something on the line. There's nothing on the line. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Ain't nothing on the line. We'll recap. Get some, get some content. Get some clips. Something that we can pull for the pod next week. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not even going to talk about this game. Next. We're going to talk about the playoff matchup next week. We'll the be recap recapping. is going to be like five minutes. It's going to be like three minutes of a recap. <laughs> We will have a recap for Mark's trip to SoFi next episode, Chiefs Coast to Coast episode 72. Until then, Mark Guttles is out in L.A., Steven Serta behind the board, Aaron Laddit here in Kansas City. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.